are listening to Range Minded from Independence Indoor Shooting. First, before we start, we want to let you know we are now on Apple Podcasts and on Stitcher, so please subscribe to us from wherever you get your podcasts. That way you can get the newest episodes of Range Minded as soon as they drop. Also, if you already are a subscriber, thank you, and please give us a rating and review if you could. This is episode 16, which is part one of a two-part series uh, where we dispel a bunch of myths and misconceptions surrounding firearms. Everything from the misconceptions about buying a firearm and the gun show loophole, to how the Nick's instant background check works, and whether or not the UK actually confiscated every single handgun in their country, with the exception of eight of them. As uh, we go through these myths and misconceptions, feel free to follow along with the links we've provided uh, for sources in either the podcast description or online at iishooting.com. As always, thanks for listening and we hope you enjoy episode 16 of Range Minded, The Myths and Misconceptions About Guns, Part 1. Hello and welcome to another episode of... Hello. I'm hashtagging, sorry. I try to beat Steve on the hello. He's... Hello. He's usually right there. Steve's becoming a millennial as we speak right in front of our eyes. So I'm... I'm like the curious case of Benjamin Button, only not. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This is episode number 16. 16. And this is going to be a two-parter because we have a lot to cover. Yes. So um, myths and misconceptions about firearms, the gun world, uh, gun laws, any kind of myths and misconceptions uh, surrounding firearms because there are a lot. We'll probably have a couple episodes, not just these two, but... It might be a recurring thing, but um, because there are so many myths and misconceptions and just flat-out wrong facts that people spread. I mean, even in gun gun stores and in ranges and everything. Gun gun people consistently have... (laughs) Would you say that gun people are the worst offenders? Um, Maybe. Depends on what the myth is or the the misconception is. Um, And I'm sure we'll get into some of it, but... You know, coming down to even carrying a gun. Some people have completely the wrong idea. Yeah. Yeah. And it's unfortunate because I think everybody's guilty of it. We'll just put it that way. And that that includes folks like us, uh, news organizations, your average gun enthusiast, people, you know, other people who work at gun stores, gun, anybody. I would probably say the worst offenders are politicians. Yeah. But and what you notice though is they're uninformed about almost everything. Mm-hmm. Well, and sometimes they don't even want to. They they may be informed, but they flat out lie because the first person to get their voice out there is going to be the one. It's going to be the voice that's to. heard. Yeah. yeah, sure, that might be. Yeah. So, where do we want to start with this one? I've got. It was funny because I have. I was starting to write a list of these down. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I can come up with a bunch of them. Like, I don't know, maybe like three, four. I have about two dozen <laughs> sitting on a list uh, because it's just there's that many. Ricky really prepared, too, I can tell. I wasn't as yeah. prepared He's as you guys. He's got a packet of information not in front of him. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, Steve, let's start with you. What's what's the first one that you found, That the first one that came to mind when I gave you this idea? So the, uh, the whole gun show loophole thing, right? Everybody knows you can just go to a gun show and you can buy an RPG if you want. Yeah. No big deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or grenades or uh, yeah, yeah. I did three last week. It was awesome. Nice. Uh, come on, people. Is there? And I know we're kind of preaching to the choir on this, but seriously, how do people still believe that you can just go to a gun show and buy whatever you want? It's well, been it's been spouted. 
And so now it's a, a gunjo loophole. Ad like, nauseum. Oh. Yeah. And they don't even know what that means or no, what they're they even referring it's to. It's a stupid little buzzword. That they, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's totally true. In reality, and I know most of you guys know this, and hopefully if, if you got some friends that believe this farce, you can say, hey, listen to Steve because he's the sage on this. No, I'm not. <laughs> but in reality, if you go to a gun show and it's an FFL dealer, you have to do paperwork. They have to do a background check unless mm-hmm. they have a concealed weapons permit and that mm-hmm. background check has already taken place. But that being said, if uh, if maybe the you can hear we got people. There's a lot of stuff going on this morning. So you yeah, it's a busy hear. morning. But the difference would be maybe if if his uh, if the purchaser's concealed carry address is different than maybe their driver's license. Um, I know we we asked for two forms of ID, um, or the the dealer may feel like, and this is another misconception we can talk about later. The dealer can stop the sale at any time whatsoever, or we can background check whoever we want. It's true if, if we feel like. That's- if we feel like we need to pull that permit. Even if they have a permit. And another thing that might kind of tie along with that purchasing with a permit is, you know, they might say, well, what if they committed a felony between, you know, here and there getting their permit? Well, I guarantee you that the sheriff's office is going to be at that guy's house pulling his permit the instant something goes wrong. Mm-hmm. I mean, even when you get pulled over by the police, they run your identification or run mm-hmm. your license plate. You give them your driver's license. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're going to know real, real quick. Oh, they Yeah, once they run it up, they can tell if you have a, you have a permit. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's, that's a big misconception is we'll just tackle it head on. And let me go back a little bit, too, to say that the reason we're tackling all these myths and misconceptions is, A, to make fun of you, <laughs> but also <laughs> to arm you with the information. If somebody does present an argument who is anti-gun or yeah. is trying to stigmatize gun ownership or gun enthusiasm say look actually no here's the real information you know yeah. here's the real data behind it and we'll provide links with all that kind of stuff but anyway the main uh, the, a big misconception is that it's really easy to get a gun it is super super easy it's easier to get a gun than it is to buy vegetables it's a, barack obama told me that a few years ago <laughs> did he really say that <laughs> he did apparently he really did i know he said the whole thing too about you it's it's harder to buy a book than a gun yeah mm-hmm. and that's simply not true yeah so what is the the where are people getting this lo- this loophole from and i did so, that in air quotes so you guys know so but, uh, I, from my perception where i think this whole loophole thing came from is the private cell aspect now mm-hmm. there's some caveats to a private cell so uh, it's true there the, the feds cannot govern a peer-to-peer cell in within the seller or the sorry the buyer's state Okay, mm-hmm. but if the buyer goes to another state, under law, they have to have a background check done by an FFL. Did you guys understand that? Did you know that? I yeah, know you that. have to. Tra- if it's basically what's called an FFL transfer. Yeah. So if you let's say Ricky, you're here in Idaho and I'm in Illinois, and I want to buy a gun from you, I have to go through a background check in Illinois well, in order to buy your well, gun. Even, even, even private a private party. sale by law. Like should all go. So through it's not. A, we're not saying like, FFL. hey, I bought this gun off gun broker. I'm gonna have it shipped to my place. Right. That's different because that does go from FFL to FFL. Mm-hmm. But if if I'm in, I'm from Oregon and I come across here to Boise to buy a gun um, that I found on some newspaper, or whatever, for private sale. It needs to be facilitated by, by, by an law. FFL. An FFL has to perform a background check because that is just the law. Um. I don't know how often that actually takes place. And I don't know how the feds even govern that, honestly. It's mm-hmm. still a peer-to-peer sale. 
I, I don't know how they can maintain and manage that from, from happening. The thing is, is especially say if it's from California guy or gal, uh, guy is a generic term, right? If they come over here and, and buy a Glock 19X mm-hmm. um, and maybe Joe Citizen has no idea what's on the registry for California. Zero zero clue what, what the DOJ says is okay to own. That or even mag caps. Yeah. Magazine capacity laws. You, you, they could have just created a felon. Yeah. They did commit a felony in a, in a sense, but at least an illegal transaction. But here you go. You just sold somebody a gun that probably knows anyways they shouldn't be buying that gun if they're from California. Uh, and it's just going to be a sour. There's a lot of, of liability to it. Huge. There really is huge. Right? There's there, there's a lot of liability <laughs> to uh, to a seller, um, and there's a lot of there's even more liability to a gun shop. You know, it's yeah. not even even if it were even the laws aside. There's a lot of money that goes into starting a gun shop, starting and running a gun shop. And and I don't think people, the general public, really understand. Firearms industry is the most regulated industry in the United States, mm-hmm. bar none. I don't. Mm-hmm. Oh, what about alcohol? No. So you tell me that Jim Beam has to go get permission from the federal government to make a gun, get permission to procure the the, the materials to do so, get permission to ship the firearm to somebody else that has to get permission from the feds to buy it, and then the the, the end user has to get permission to buy it from them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, firearms are the most regulated industry in the United right. States. Right, and despite like what I what you've seen on TV or heard in the news, in order to walk and let's just let's walk somebody through, let's walk you through what goes through a firearm transaction if you buy it. Let's say from here at Independence. Sure, maybe say, people don't. Yeah, let's say somebody walks in and say, "Hey, I want to buy that Glock 19 right there. That's a great looking gun. It's stippled. It's is that the right word? Stippled, not stippled. That's what I thought. Not stoppled. Not okay. stippling. Stippling. That's the other one. Stippled. Yes. Stipple. It, and uh, you much know, like it, artwork. Stipple. It's got a red dot on it. Steve painted it pretty colors. Mm-hmm. Pink. It's got Molen Lab on it. That <laughs> thing's got me written all over it. That's my. That's my gun. I want to buy that gun. Sure. So I go up to you, Steve, and mm-hmm. say, "Hey, I want to buy that gun." What do we do next? I say, "Let's go out back, and then it's, we just do cash." No, I don't do that. <laughs> First thing I ask is for your current ID, and I'll ask you a couple times, is this your current address? Okay. Or I'll say, hey, driver's license and concealed permit. If you mm-hmm. have a concealed permit, makes life easier. Now, if those two don't have the right address, well, there might be a little bit of confusion there. Sure. Uh, and this is a little heartburn here, a little caveat side note here. The DMV, for some reason, if you move, they don't like changing the address on your driver's license. Which when that's it, that's how I am. I'm still up in Moscow, but my my it, CCW is super, down here. It's so. super frustrating to gun dealers because then, well, do you have something government issued, a driver's or a vehicle registration, or some kind of a, a bill from a city or a government entity? And that's the other thing. If if your IDs don't have your current address on them, we need something that's got um, your current address that's government issued. We bring, people bring their insurance cards and stuff. That doesn't work. Yeah. Sorry. It has to be something from um, the state so or the re- county. Yeah. Or yeah, vehicle registration or... A fishing licenses work, actually. Is it in Idaho, is it the water bill or the power bill? Only if it's... There are some private entities. Yeah. That, so Idaho Power to, is a private company, yeah. I believe. Yep. Uh, the Boise City of Water... I think Boise City would that's work it. the water yeah, bill. That's yeah, that's Something, something so. city, yeah, something municipal that that is a government entity... To, to prove it, uh, tax return, yeah. you know, something from the IRS, that kind of thing. Anyway, so we, we confirm your address is, is the real deal, um, and then you fill out a, a form called a 4473. That's what 
it, there's a dash in there somewhere, but it is a little frustrating too, because people more and more frequently are moving around. Mm -hmm. Like they move quite often. Yeah. I've noticed. And well, so, yeah, they're buying all the houses. So I can't move. <laughs> yeah. They happened to me in Illinois. I had, uh, I had moved a bunch of times, moved from apartment to apartment. And I think I went in to buy a gun and, um, the address that I wrote down on the 4473 wasn't the same as on the driver's license problem so i had to show them mm -hmm. yeah something uh something else government issued i think it was a, like a bill or something like that from the city or whatever to prove that that was my current address and you did it but you don't think about it right now you, you know? and you also have to have a photo id you can't Correct. you can't just bring in your re vehicle registration and not be sufficient and you the other have thing to have a photo id with it yeah sorry and the other thing that that i won't accept is they'll say well you know i got i got my power bill on my phone can can i no <laughs> I want a physical copy because I'm making a copy of that, which isn't required from the ATF. Mm -hmm. um, we do make copies of IDs uh, and retain them with our 4473s. That's just to cover our butts. It's not something that has to be done by any means, so right. prepare for that too. Um, so once you fill out that 4473, there's a series of questions, right? You, the, the very first segment is your 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 uh, where your residence, you know, that kind of information. Yeah, basic info. Where you're born, um, your social security is, is up to you. It's an option. Um, if we're performing a background check, that does make it quicker. Which, yeah, so if you have a C, and I tell people this all the time, if you have a CCW permit, please do not put your social security yeah, number not, on there. It's we, not we required. It. Yeah, and, and I honestly, I grew up in an era where I get frustrated that I have to, there's no reason that people need to know my social security number. Sure. Yeah. Zero whatsoever. But it's out there now anyway, so who cares, right? What, what yeah. is it, Steve? What's your social security? <laughs> you mind telling a, us? It's a one, two, none, your business. <laughs> anyway. It sounds so, like mine. <laughs> <laughs> so we get down there, and then you get to your, there's a series of questions that they answer. Mm -hmm. um, now, people say, well, they can just lie on a form. They absolutely can, but they've just lied on a federal document, which is, is perjury, is a, is a perjury mm -hmm. and is a felony. So, and I've had people answer truthfully, honestly, and we canceled sales yep. because mm -hmm. they were honest. Um, and when, we've had, we've had cops call us up or law enforcement officers. I've had this plenty of times, but they, the officers call us up the sheriff's department right when we submitted background check and say, Hey, is this guy still in the store? Can you retain him? Yeah. And just kind of, just kind of like not retain him, but like kind of stall him and stall him a little bit until we show up. Cause they want to arrest him. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it doesn't happen all the time, um, but it's it's reality. Absolutely. It's well, and, it, and it's nice to see that that's actually it, it's working. Yeah, the it, system works. It happens, right? Yeah. So, so then it goes through something that's called NICS, the National Incident Check System, um, and this is where that's the, the background. The, check. the Dems are like you know the anti-gunners, not the Democrats, because there's some good Democrats who love guns. The anti-gun people are like, well, it's an instant check. There's no way they can catch everything. Well, it goes to an, a database. A national database. Yep. And and there are some... It, it, well, we saw that when the, the, the Navy guy shot up a bunch of people. He was dishonorable discharge. It never got reported. Mm -hmm. And so... It was human error yeah, is it what was, it was. It was a problem, right? But for the most part, they, they scour through the FBI, the ATF... Um, and some one of the other, and they scour the electronically. And if there's nothing comes back, then we get a response within seconds normally. Like I've had it as soon as I and I do it. We we do it online here. Mm -hmm. I hate dealing on the phone with those people. Uh, those people, sorry, <laughs> microaggression. But uh, it's just so much easier to do it online. There's less error. You spell everything out. 
It's all digital. They're they're from Virginia, so I I have a hard time understanding some of their. They stuff. talk fast and, and really it, fast, and it's and it's always like a real thick accent. What's your FFL number? You know, type thing, and, <laughs> and then. And then it's so quick. You're right. It's so fast that it's like, oh, uh, what, what was the response? And they don't like to repeat themselves. Like, it's, right. Well, they're, they're probably understaffed. And so, if we do it online, it's just so much easier. Once we get that back, that all gets recorded on our portion of the 4473, and that gets uh, we retain that information. And that re- information is retained indefinitely. I was going to say indefinitely. You don't ever get rid of it. Yeah, so it's not like 30 years and then we throw it away. No, the ATF requires that we keep that forever. Um, I thought there was a stipulation mm-hmm. for 20 years. Nope. We keep it forever. Especially uh, if it's electronic now. Yeah. It's probably a lot easier well, to no, keep. Well, no, we have to have a, a physical copy. We keep a physical copy. Oh, okay. It's printed off. Yeah, we keep a physical copy. Because uh-huh. at some point, and, and it happens every FFL holder gets an audit. That's just the way it is. And it's something that you know we accept as FFL holders, uh, which I'm fine with, honestly. Anyway, different story. Um, yeah, once that transaction or the, the background comes back clean, then the transaction takes place. Again, if there's a problem... There's there's three responses that we get from from Nick's. It's uh, proceed, uh, delay, or deny. Now the delay is not uncommon. If you have a really common name, chances are you're going to get delayed. That's why it might not be a bad idea to put your social security mm-hmm. down. It kind of ties you to it. Or or get a CCW permit. Or a CCW. If you're buying lots of fi- or if you're if it's a frequent thing where you come in and buy a firearm, it's sure. worth your while to come and in. And you know get a we CCW get a lot of permit. retired law enforcement. They're like, oh well, I have I can't remember what the form is. They the retired law carry thing, but that doesn't count as a CCW to do background checks. So I mm-hmm. still have to do background checks on a on retired law enforcement, which is frustrating. But that's just the way it is. Um. So it just you just might as well get one anyway. So the delay, like I said, is not uncommon. It happens uh, fairly frequently, um, but it doesn't mean you did something bad. You just might have something that your name is very similar to somebody else's. Yeah, if your name you, is John Smith. Or you forgot to put Junior on the form, you know, some kind of cadence in there. There, That could be it. Well, and I've had it, too, where people could, you know, a regular customers, they've had never had issues with the, with the background check, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden... Their name is having issues, and, and they could, they come back. It but it'll be delayed, but then they'll come back and still get their gun. So and you know they're not doing anything. And your ID could have been stolen too. There could have yeah. been something in there. Yeah, there could have been could have been identity theft somewhere. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, here's another good myth: if you pass the the background check, gun stores have to sell you a firearm. Nope. It's, their, it's your legal right, right? I can nope. absolutely <laughs> cancel that sale at any time. For any reason or no reason, yeah, and I've done it before. Yeah, yeah if somebody's acting weird. We're not going to sell a gun, and we'll be clear them. on that. Yeah, gun stores. We have the right. Have the right to refuse service to anybody for yeah. any reason or no reason. Well, and, and another thing too is we also rent guns here. If somebody's acting weird, even coming to rent a gun and, and shoot on a range, we're too. not going to rent them a firearm. Right, and I'll give you a situation. The Orlando shooter went to another gun store. The guy told him, "Nope, really, I'm not, not selling you stuff." And guess what? He went to a different gun store. Mm-hmm. So the guy, you know, they did what they could. They still found a way to get a gun. Anyway, the other response is deny, okay, um, which is obvious, right? Should be should make sense. You may have lied on your form, something. You're denied. Sorry, 
no deal. If you feel like you've been wrongfully targeted as a deny or delay, you have a petition option to go to the to the ATF, and there's a process, and it's a long process. And let's say don't take it out on the gun store. No. Yeah. Because we, they're just kind of the messenger at and, that point. And we have no idea. There is zero information about why that person is denied. Honestly, I don't care. Like, some of it's pretty. I like nine times out of ten, I can see somebody coming in to buy a gun. I'll be like, that guy's getting delayed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just yeah. know. Yeah, you've done this for, you know, a couple of years. Yeah. So. And then there's some people that, like, we're both surprised that there was, like, a deny in there. Oh, really? And we had one customer in particular. Obviously, I'm not going to give his name, but but had a past and uh, sure and all that was expunged but the courthouse forgot to expunge it they forgot to file the information they needed to to get it cleaned off the record for nick oh man and he was he wasn't pissed at us but he's like what the heck it was like 15 years ago yeah so then he had to go through all the legwork and start all over and contact his attorney and do everything all over again and then they fixed it and, and now he's got a ccw so you know everything's yeah. fixed and it, he thought it was in the beginning but, yeah, they forgot to take care of some information. But if somebody says that it's really stupid, easy to get a gun, and gun shops will sell anybody nope. a gun and all that kind of stuff, just tell them, think about it this way. It's in the gun store's best interest to make sure that they cover their butts as much oh as possible. Gosh. Make sure everything oh, yeah. is legit. Because, like you said, the ATF will come and audit you at yeah, some point. And, and you have to go through every piece of paperwork, every transaction, right? Be, being an FFL holder is stressful. Um in a way, it feels like not not the local field agency, but the ATF up the on, on the top. Yeah, national ATF. It really feels like they they hate gun stores in a way, um, but their job is stressful, right? They have a lot of things to worry about, um, but they just gotta make sure everybody's kosher with what they're doing. Right now, another misconception you guys probably had this planned, but I'm lay it on us. I'm as it, as we're going, but it spins off of this. What is a registering a firearm? Does and so a lot of people, Something it's I it, yeah, it's a misconception that when you go through a background check or you or you fill out these forty four seventy threes that we were talking about form 4473 that you're registering your firearm. Mm-hmm. That's false. That's not a in registration the, in the state of Idaho, right? Because we're not a registry state. Yeah, but but I'm, well, I'm just saying right. any any form any forty four seventy three yeah. or Nick's background check is that's not a, that's not a registration. registration. Now California or other states have a separate a separate registration. Yeah, I think for Michigan does firearms. for handguns, I believe. Uh, out east and I think Washington does now too. Washington, Do they really? Yeah, one of those. I don't know. I probably should know this, but yeah, there there are states around the country that some mm-hmm. do, some don't, and and I despise that deeply deeply despise the idea of registration well and you know what we were talking about this earlier before the podcast started here's why because people say there's always that slippery slope argument and people discount that for some reason well it's a different country so we'll just throw that out there but in 1997 britain confiscated handguns all across the mm-hmm. UK. And now they're trying to confiscate knives. Right. But well, they're scary. They were so successful in confiscating these handguns, they were they recovered every single handgun in the UK except for eight of them. It's pretty know, amazing. Do you know why? Why is that? Because they had records you in pre, prior to nineteen ninety seven. In order to own a handgun, you had to have a certificate from the government it had to, to do be re- so. There was a registration. And so it was registered. Which is similar to Australia, yeah, yeah. Now you have to have absolutely. A mm-hmm. 
and that's those are different countries. It's not the U.S. Right, but U.S. That's it's going to be extremely difficult. They but u- still they used a registry, went down the list, and confiscated mandatory. They everybody had to give up their handguns. Yep. There was no buyback. No, it was give us your handguns, and that was a real thing that happened. I mean, but it's just common sense. <laughs> it's, and it just if people ever bring up the the slippery slope thing or, or we're just going to stop here, I mean, that's an example. Yeah. I mean, look up the history of uh, firearms laws in England. I mean, and like I said, different country, they don't have... Yeah, they don't have a Second this, Amendment. You're right. Right. But, but how often do we hear the anti-gun politicians say, we want to use, you know, civilized countries, their, their examples of gun laws, which are Australia and England, which... Which is funny to me because Australia now has more firearms than before the ban. Right. Um, and, can, which, and they're working on loosening the restrictions on suppressors and handguns. You still have to be part of a club to buy a handgun, but it's going to be... They're trying to make it easier. Yeah. And if you are interested in uh, Australian gun laws and the gun uh, enthusiast lifestyle down in Australia, you mm-hmm. can check out our uh, episode from... A while back, yeah, because I don't remember back. the episode number. Yeah. But yeah, my, um, my good friend Chris came up and we talked to him a lot about it. And yeah, the Australian is what that one's called. Yeah, um, it's a great interview with with Chris about that because um, it's not what you think. Mm-mm. It's not what you think. So as far as registration, what do we see on our side? So on the for, form forty four seventy three, we do write down the the serial number of the firearm and right. the make and model, obviously all that. And stuff. And there's reasons for that, particularly, yeah. But when we run a background check, all we click is it's a sale of a handgun or sale of a long gun. Or a a receiver frame. Yeah. That's it. Yep. So there is no serial number in the NICS background check. We have to retain a copy. So if the federal government wanted to go through the hassle, yep, they could find it. But they would have to come physically here, I guess. Not. I guess we could scan copies if they wanted. Well, that's not. Yes and no. So if, if... Sorry, we're getting into the weeds a little bit. When it comes to a crime committed, so the last gun store I worked at, that happened. Somebody committed a crime with a gun they purchased from us. So what happens was is they got the firearm, they read the serial number, they contact the manufacturer. The manufacturer says, we send it to distributor X. They contact distributor X. We send it to this particular gun store. Then they call this gun store or you know whatever, the gun store that got it from the distributor. And they say, hey, this is the, the customer's name that committed the problem. This is the serial number. We need to know the purchase date mm-hmm. because they have. Yeah, the and see, number. and it's very, very, it's very narrow though. It's not a broad spectrum. Yeah, it's, it's a case saying, by case basis. Yeah, Correct. case by case. Which so we we retain those forms indefinitely, as mm-hmm. as Steve mentioned, um, through the form forty forty four seventy three, but. What? Who's to say you haven't sold that gun private party at that point? Sure, you know what I mean. That's true. There yeah. is no registration process at, after a private party. That that gun kind of just vanishes, and it that's could why potentially. I mean, it could be it could be five hands down the way after yeah. that forty four seventy three has been completed. Mm-hmm. So, so you're not going to get it registered. It's not registered necessarily to no. your name, especially if you've sold it private to the party. original purchaser. Yeah. There's a connection to the original purchaser. And then from there, you know, it could go anywhere. Now, to be, yeah. if you wanted your, as a firearm owner, to have your own butt covered, you can, if you private party, have a bill of sale. Mm-hmm. And then you have the person's Or info. you could go through a, a company. Yeah, go. yeah, we can do a private party transfer here, uh, 25 bucks for the background check that way. But if, uh, 
usually what I say if people, you know, because there are a lot of people apprehend, well, I don't want to deal with, with selling them peer-to-peer. Well, that's fine. Require a, require a CCW. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then you know yeah, that you're not, awesome you're not selling it thing. to somebody that's got a problem. Yeah. And, and I would say 99, and I don't have a stat for this, so don't go looking it up, but I would say 99% of the people who do private party transfers are legal law-abiding citizens. Like, I, I've only sold one firearm uh, private party. And I actually... Well, 72.3% of all statistics are made up. On the spot. That's, yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, I, sold a, I sold a firearm private party, and uh, I mean, I had never done it before. I was a little nervous, but yeah. I, made him, I made the guy fill out a bill of sale, look at his ID, all that kind of stuff, to make sure that everything looked legit and that the information that he wrote down matched everything. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just, it's part of being a responsible firearms enthusiast, I think. Yep. And I think next time, if I were to sell anything private party, I'd go through uh, an FFL and say, let's just, let's make sure everything's kosher. Yeah. And, and, and good from there because thankfully and I looked this up in Idaho law uh, private sales of firearms the liability is actually on the buyer mm-hmm. and the seller has every right to assume that they're selling the firearm to a responsible and that's because we're in a gun friendly state that is true if you went to another state or you know a couple states over I think yeah I think you'd find that doesn't matter who you are, who you sold it to, you're still going to get in trouble. Mm-hmm. But that's actually a good myth to dispel too. Is that, um, you know, I th- gun stores will help you facilitate a gun sale. A good gun, gun store. A gun, good gun stores are your friends. One thing we don't like to see is when. Say there's a customer that comes in and he wants to sell us or trade us a gun. Mm-hmm. And then there's another customer standing right by on the counter and says, oh, I would be interested in that gun. How much are you selling it for? Because we, I mean, we all, we obviously have to put a markup on it. So we right. have to buy it for way less and then put a markup on it. Mm-hmm. So we're making money. So you have that customer that's right next to him and saying, hey, you know, I'll, <laughs> I'll take that gun for more, uh, you know. And then at that point we say, you know, take that out to the parking lot. Don't do it here because mm-hmm. yeah. that's not because that's not okay to do it inside of our Correct. FFL. Right. Premises. Well, actually, that, that leads me to another myth that we could dispel. Yeah. Is that you can, you can buy a gun for somebody else? Oh, did you know that you, you can, can buy, buy me a gun? You can buy a gun for somebody else. Yeah. You can't do that. <laughs> Why not? That's called a straw purchase. Have you ever heard that term? I've never bought straw in my life. <laughs> <laughs> you don't own any livestock. Mm-mm. Ricky, can you tell me a little bit about about what a straw purchase is? Uh, so a lot of people are confused. It, this is where a lot of confusion comes in versus mm-hmm. gifting versus straw purchasing. Okay, a straw purchase comes in to where if if say Mark, you come to me and you say, hey. Um, and I don't even necessarily need to know the reasons. You don't have to come to me and say, hey, I'm a convicted felon. I can't get this firearm, but can you buy it for me? Mm-hmm. You could just say, hey, can you buy this firearm for me? I'm going to be out of the state, but I would really there have this deal going on. I'd like it when I get back. I, yeah. I'd like to have it when I get back. Uh, can you go and buy it for me? Here's the money. That's not okay. Here's 50 bucks. Go buy me a gun. Yeah, go buy me a gun. Yeah. That's a federal offense. Yep. That's Yeah, that's a felony. You'll be in jail for... And maybe you guys have seen this where somebody comes in or a couple comes in and they're looking at firearms and they pick one up and look at it or whatever and then they leave and then only one of them comes back. Mm -hmm. That's a big sign, right? Yeah, and I'm very, very picky with straw purchases as far as like when I see, and it doesn't necessarily have to be the transfer of money, but 
but when I see somebody, even father and son, I've seen, I've, I've told people I can't do the sale plenty of times for stuff like this, but, um, well, there are some cases where it's a little different. Yeah. In family. In family yeah, it's a little bit different, but I, I don't take, chances, you know, yeah. yeah, don't take chances with that. Cause you don't know if they're family necessarily, if they don't have their ID, but I've had people be like, Oh, I forgot. I forgot. Um, my ID. Can you, can you get this gun for me today? Yeah. Here's the money. Mm-mm, no, no, not doing that. <laughs> Alarm bells. You know? Yeah, not doing that. But gifting it to a, to a son or to anyone, really. We had a guy a while back take our AR-15 build class, mm-hmm. and he it was a company thing, and he gifted it to his employees. It was a gift, and that's just what it was. So then what's the process, then, of gifting a firearm to somebody? Let's say... Um, you know, it was Steve's birthday coming up, and I wanted to buy him that really nice Mullen Laid Glock. So I think, I think a good way to do it is just give them a gift card, and then they fill out the form, they do everything else, and they pay for it with a gift card. That that is a really safe way of doing it. Now, otherwise, what I would say is, if you're going to gift it, you're the one coming into the store, not necessarily have the other person, and you do all the gifting elsewhere off our promises but it is important to understand that a restricted person is a restricted person so any kind of felony any anything on that 4473 that they would answer yes that are not supposed to answer yes to that that'd be a restricted person yeah mm-hmm. and and you can find who's restricted if you're you're unaware you can go on the state website and on the repository yeah, yeah. <laughs> let me see what this guy did hold on before you yeah before i sell you this this gun let me just check yeah. your name here well and that is true going to the yeah mm-hmm. for as far as checking them private party i'm just thinking of like if you're if you're unaware if you're like maybe i'm restricted and i don't know Go to the state website and find it out before you come in and yeah. do a background check and potentially get hauled off in handcuffs. Or come to one of our classes and get your concealed permit. Yep. That seems to be the easiest thing or, or the most convenient thing Yeah, to if have. you get a concealed carry permit, you know you're not Give restricted. the gift of an enhanced concealed carry class yeah. and then give the gift of the firearm. And it keeps and give on a, giving. And give the gift of life. And if right? it's... And, and Life-saving. The, the whole rationale behind the concealed carry permit is... They've already done the background check on you. They've probably done a deeper background check on you than they would with Nick's. Yeah. They've actually fingerprinted you, yeah, at least takes, in this state. It takes a few weeks. Yeah, because when I applied for mine here, um, they fingerprinted me, and they did a, a little bit deeper of a background mm-hmm. check. And it, it took two, three weeks, but then I got it. No big deal. But then once you have that, even just a regular concealed carry permit, um, not an enhanced, because Idaho is kind of different in that regard that there's two technically classes has of it. three three different yeah and i think ricky now. ricky was yeah. going to talk a little bit about that one yeah, yeah. His things, that's but. the one packet i had that was prepared <laughs> yeah we'll get to that in a minute but um basically if you have your, they've already done all the background check and stuff on you so you are basically already proved with your ccw permit you're proven to be a law-abiding citizen and yeah. that you have no criminal issues in your past or in your um you know, on your record for that matter. So that's why it's a lot easier. The background check goes a lot smoother and you don't have a waiting period. If you have your CCW, yep. uh, you can, uh, you know, fill out the form, get the instant check and take the gun home the same day. Mm-hmm. I believe whether it's a long gun or a handgun, correct? Yeah. Um, yeah. There is no waiting period in the state of Idaho unless there's, you have a delay, right? That's the only difference. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't have the cool off period that other people, yeah, other states which, do doesn't work that's a myth too the cool off period doesn't work that the guy in california that went and shot up the school in in northern california where it was that little town mm-hmm. 
he he waited. And what did he do? As soon as he got that gun, what did he do? Did what he planned on doing anyways. Well, and people, there's a lot of mass shooters that they said that they people have planned it for months or even years in yeah, advance. I, I would argue that it gives them a little bit more time to refine what they're thinking anyways. Yeah, and so it's if you have to wait 72 hours or something like that, it's not... It's not going to make a difference if you've been mm-hmm. planning this thing for months or years or whatever. It's a sad fact, but it's the truth. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Ricky, what was your? Um, Whoa! Did I drop my phone? And yeah, careful there. What was uh, what was your myth that you had? Uh, well, it's it's not really necessarily a myth, I guess. I get this all the time, and it's kind of a pet peeve of mine because I'm I'm the academy director. You are. Um, yeah. <laughs> So I'm all about the Is that training. What you do here? <laughs> I'm also just the pretty face. Oh, that's why he's the face of the podcast. Yeah, you do have a you have a face a, for radio, Ricky. It's okay. <laughs> just unseen radio. That's why we're anyway, not a video podcast. Once we go to video <laughs> podcast, I'll have my a brown paper bag over my face. That, oh, that way, that would be awesome. Yeah, <laughs> nobody. Know. What does Ricky? That look would like? actually be good. That would that would be like Will or was it Wilson on Home Improvement? And I never see you his never face. saw his face. Well, we'll just give you a fence to look over. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, that would be good. What does Ricky look like? Nobody knows. <laughs> oh, and then one day I'll have the unveiling. You know, <laughs> when our episodes are waning, that's when I'll do. If anybody it, says so Ricky's not creative, up. they're completely lying. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So, what's your one? What's your uh, one myth that you brought with to the table? <laughs> <laughs> so, mine's mine has to do with the constitutional carry in, um, in or permitless carry, as some people say, in Idaho, um, and what all that means. They say, oh, well, you don't need a. You know, I, I get people all the time saying, oh, well, you don't need a. A permit in Idaho anymore. It's wonderful. It, I, you know, it is wonderful. Constitutional carry is it's fabulous. Wonderful. It's a great way to exercise your rights. Uh huh. And I'm not downplaying but, that at all. But training is always, always oh, important. Paramount. Um, and, it, and it can cover your butt. It can cover <laughs> your butt. And so here's some things though about the the constitutional carry that a lot of people don't understand. A, you have to be a resident of the state of Idaho. And actually, I found the the NRA has it wrong on there. As they say both non-residents and residents can carry negative without a permit. But it's a resident only, and that's according to our I, – I verified that. It's according to our website, uh, our law, like our state's website. Yeah, the state law states that you need to be – an Idaho resident and, uh, for and, six months. And only yeah. within the state. So yep. this is what it exactly says. A concealed handgun by a person who is of over 21 years of age, mm-hmm. a resident of Idaho, and is not disqualified from being issued a license under subsection, you know, subsection 11. So when that would be if you were to apply for a concealed carry permit. So... So yeah, you and actually, it's kind of cool. There are some caveats to that twenty-one. You can actually be under the age of eighteen, and this is something Steve and I had. We were talking about the other day, but you can be under the age of eighteen if you have your parents' written permission. And I think you probably have to carry that around with you Absolutely. that written permission. And honestly, so. I I don't know if there's much of a reason for somebody under eighteen to carry a gun, anyways. Yeah. So but now it is point. lawful for him to other do than, it. Other than hunting. Mm-hmm. You know, if they're out in the woods and they're responsible, I mean, obviously, <laughs> I don't but, know. My kids aren't going to go hunting by themselves anyway. Yeah. 
I'll finish this up because I'm getting long-winded with it. But yeah, you are. Gosh, what are you waiting for? Take but, it forever. The, okay, the enhanced up. concealed carry, one, <laughs> some things that the, the constitutional carry does not give you, you cannot carry outside of the state borders yeah. with constitutional carry. And you cannot um, carry within on a college campus, state-owned college campus. Whereas, or federal buildings. Or federal buildings. And and federal buildings, that, that's the same, yeah. Um, but but college campuses, once you have an enhanced concealed carry, Some you college can. Not all. Well... That and that—that's why it gets. That's the difference between policy murky. versus law. But state-owned college campuses, you can, but just not in dormitories or uh, structures in entertainment. Right, and that's something uh, that's important to put out there as well. Is that just because there's constitutional carry doesn't mean you can carry everywhere yeah. in any way. You you sure as heck can't carry in a school. And we mm-hmm. talked about this before. It, or we, we, we're mixed. I think pretty unanimous. We're kind of mixed feelings about the whole constitutional carry thing because you have a lot of responsible gun owners, absolutely, but then you get the one or two guys or gals that think, well, uh, I have a constitutional carry gun and I'll carry it any way I want, wherever I want. Yeah. And even though I don't know how to use it, I'll carry it. And if I have to shoot that guy, I'll blast a fool. Yeah, yeah I wish he yeah. would. <laughs> and then he's, he's going to be in jail yep. for yeah. a long, long time. Or you get people so, who carry it in the airport. Too, or forget that it's there. And mm-hmm. um, I have, I know somebody who works for TSA, and uh, we were driving somewhere or whatever, and so we had some time. So I asked him all the questions that anybody would ask a TSA agent. Yeah, and uh, he's like, "Yeah, you would not imagine the amount of firearms that we have to confiscate." And they don't necessarily <laughs> confiscate them. They say, "Well, obviously you can't bring this through, so you got to take it home, or we're get, we're going to trash it." You know, I have a buddy. It's crazy. That, I have a buddy that. <laughs> yeah, maybe he's listening. Uh, he knows who he is too. He's a he forgot about a gun that he packed in. Back. <laughs> he's he's a, uh, a a rep for a, a very large firearms manufacturer and forgot all about it. Went to get on the plane and whoops, <laughs> that's funny. But see, that's uh, that's, that's when fun. you know you have too many. You have so many guns that you're starting to forget which ones well, you he, have in your coat. Well, and at least that's, well, that's not what it was. Right? Like he was he was going from one state to another, both gun friendly states, right? And then. He was just, he was at that one state for a while doing his job. And, you know, he just kind of was packing stuff, didn't even think about it, chucked it in his carry on. Yeah. Oops. He, but, got, he had a nice, let's come to this room, sir. Where are the windows? <laughs> Why is there a mirror? <laughs> and then uh, they, it was embarrassing for him. That's all it was. That's why if he's if he's listening, he's back. Like, but like I said, at least it's something. It, it, it's understandable where okay, it's your the industry you work in. You're around them all the time. Yeah, they're just kind of there. What, that's what saved his bacon because look, I'm a rep for this company. You know, I I travel all the time. Look at how many miles I flew last week. I mean, I travel all the time. Look at this. Mm-hmm. And they're like, okay, well, let's get this fixed. Yeah, but he had that on his side. If it's just you know, you forgot your concealed carry handgun in your carry-on bag and you put it through security you're going to be mm. escorted and or dragged to that room <laughs> real fast i forgot a knife one time that i had and i was escorted to the side not into any crazy room or anything oh, but. man i remember before this was years and years ago my brother for some reason thought it was really cool to carry ninja stars around <laughs> we, went, we went to the airport for some reason and this was i mean oh this was my like god this is probably 25 years ago oh so it's a okay. this was way before things before got, ricky and i were even born it, it was before things got crazy right <laughs> yeah and we we're walking through the airport and this was when 
there was no you, you didn't walk through the metal detectors first right you could walk yeah. all the way to the yeah. terminal and not have to worry about anything until you were at the terminal so i can't remember why why we were at the airport maybe my might have been when my my aunt came back from berlin but uh he's like uh-oh <laughs> <laughs> uh-oh oh it was like, really but, but the metal it, detector is right in front of the gate at it wasn't, that point. It wasn't one. It was like three. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you carrying those around? Well, multiple enemies, Ugh. multiple targets. How old's your brother? He's uh, six years older than me. Okay. So he was probably like 18 at the time, 19 at the time. Was, uh, he was probably older than that, actually. I think those are illegal now. Are they? I think so. Ninja stars are cool. There was a part in the... You can still buy them. I think they're illegal to carry around then, maybe. Oops. Well, th- this is also not by Idaho Falls, and this is also... Well, this wasn't in Idaho Falls. This was in a pretty major city. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, there was something, because it was mentioned specifically in the Enhanced Concealed Carry class. Yeah. I took a couple I think it last dirks week. and all that other uh, stuff. Yeah. Nunchucks. Uh, yeah, ask Jim Love about nunchucks and Well, no, if you, have, if you have a concealed carry permit, right? Mm-hmm. That's the difference. That's when you can have those things. I believe that is correct. I think that's correct. You are correct, so. sir. Yeah, but I don't think you can constitutionally carry Ninja Stars. <laughs> carry what I want. It's I my right. It. I carry these right. guns around all day long. <laughs> Open carry. <laughs> Sun's out, guns out. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, actually, and we can just touch on this real briefly. You can't bring it on your carry-on, but you can fly with a firearm. Yeah, uh-huh. Ricky had Ricky's to deal with done this. It. Yeah. Ricky and I'm going to again here yeah, pretty soon. You guys oh, are, are you? I'm going to fly with two guns. Wow. At the same time? Yeah, on my carry-on because I'm special. No. Special. Um, yeah, I there's... just want to be like an air marshal and be like, yeah, I'll fly with whatever I want, whenever I want. There yeah. you go. Um, but, yeah, there's a process to it. You have to lock it in a container, and you have to have approved locks and this, that, and the other. You have to declare it at the gate. And I believe some airlines have specifics too, don't they? Yeah, it's frustrating. So TSA has their own their own stipulations, but then according to every – that's why this time – so I talked about that in one of our other podcasts. So this time I'm flying a little bit more, more, uh, you know, prepared. Yeah. Prepared. You know what you're getting into. Yeah. This basically time. this time I'm going to, I'm going to take two, two cases cause I'm going to have one for my firearms and then one for ammunition and mag- magazines. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to have any of the magazines loaded. It'll be well, all you ran in into the, that problem last time. Yeah. And I had a forfeit. Some ma- some well, and then we're, you're not so. flying with the ammunition this time either. I will. I'll, I'll fly with defensive loads, not the plinkers. Yeah, so Ricky gets to go to a, a class, a jerk. And then, hey, you're going to be going to Virginia pretty soon if we can ever get you off your duff. Guess what? There won't be any shooting there. Actually, <laughs> I, pro- I'm, I don't know. I, I may, think there should be. I, I may there shoot. probably will be. You have to shoot. Yeah, I guess R- I Steve's going to get qualified to teach everything under the NRA. Yeah, I'm going to become an soon. NRA counselor, training counselor. Really? Yeah. At least that's a goal. on that. That would be great. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, you can fly with a firearm. You just have to follow the rules for it, and there's a procedure. Such so a go pain. go listen to our podcast, and uh, on that one, we've done a lot of podcasts already. Yeah, covered so a lot of ground. Many. We are <laughs> sixteen whole ones. We are professional. Thanks for listening to Range Minded. We're going to pick this one back up next week. You can pick it up on Sunday afternoon. We'll do part two of the myths and misconceptions about handguns. But until then, if you've got a comment, question, idea for the show, or any feedback, send us an email to podcast at iishooting.com or send us a message on our Facebook page. Just search Independence Indoor Shooting. Again, thanks for listening to Range Minded. We'll see you next time.